0: On the ride home, everywhere you want to be, I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoopy, Instagram Scoop underscore B, Snapchat Scoop underscore B. Make sure to subscribe to the Scoopy Radio podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn app, Stitcher Radio, or simply visit ScoopBradio.com. On the line right now is a guy who, uh, he's just that dude, Rashad McCants. What's going on, my brother?
1: Uh, much, man. I appreciate you uh, allowing me to be on the show.
0: Of course, of course, man, you uh, were in the big three again this summer. How was the experience different this year from last summer?
1: Um, it was a lot more um, It was a lot more guys that uh, we're familiar with. Um, uh, a lot of bigger crowds that came out this year. Um, I think it was better competition. Um, just for the entertainment base, we, we brought a better show which makes uh, season three something that we really look forward to.
0: NBA veteran Rashad McCann's on the line. You were, as a senior, named to the parade All-American and McDonald's All-American teams, played an All-American team with Future Tar Hill teammates Ray Felton and Sean May. What, man, what were those experiences like? I was in college watching you guys on TV. How? I mean, Ray Felton, man, to see his career keep going the way it's going, I, I'm just impressed, but those college days. What was North Carolina
1: like? Oh man, basketball wise, uh, you can't really ask for a better kind of experience. Uh, when you're talking about playing against the, the top competition, um, the prestige of the of the program, all the players who have come before us. I mean, we were ideal, the ideal landing place for any recruit. So uh, it was an honor to to really play there basketball wise.
0: You scored 1,721 1, points and made 221 career three-point field goals while at North Carolina. Uh, when I think of North Carolina, uh, we're around the same age. I think of – I was old enough to remember Vince Carter and, and, and Rasheed and Anton Jameson and saw a video of Michael Jordan and saw they put him on the phone book. Um, what are your memories of North Carolina as a kid?
1: Uh, as a kid um – I wasn't really a fan, man, of, 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 of the Carolina college stuff, not until Vince Vince's years. And I was more so a Vince Carter fan and a Carolina fan. Um, I was more watching NBA during those times. <clears throat> so as uh, I got older, um, I started to like certain players more. Um, and by the time I got to high school and, and was able to really understand the game, uh, I really liked Duke. I liked Duke, you know, going into my <laughs> senior year. I really liked Duke going into my senior year. Shane Battier and Jason Williams, uh, they were like my favorite players. And uh, Carolina was, it was terrible. You know, they they didn't have anybody that you would really be like, yeah, I want to go. Up until Joseph Forte, um, mm-hmm. you know, that was that that was that kind of feel. So once J.J. Riddick committed to, to Duke, it was kind of off the table because we were in the same position and I was the number one shooting guard. So I, it was only right to go to Carolina for that particular reason
0: you ain't scared saying that you like duke over north carolina out loud in an interview oh man
1: i, I was gonna go to duke i was gonna <laughs> go to duke you know what i'm saying it was it was it was set in stone but I, I couldn't chase down michael jordan if i went to duke i wanted to chase greatness so i, I had to I had to follow in mike's footsteps and, and try to break all his records and do all that stuff what are conversations with michael jordan like <clears throat> man michael jordan is uh He's a real nigga, man. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I'm, uh, I'm 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 gonna keep it real with you. He he's he's not he's not what people think he is, man. He he'll keep he keeps it very real. He's very honest, he's funny as, as all good. He's he he's he's a dope dude. You know what I'm saying? So uh anybody that gets to meet him, you know, understand that he's a dope dude, man. Pretty much Is there
0: any clean, funny stories that you can share about Mike? No. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Scoopy Radio talking to Rashad McCants, talking all things sports, talking Big Three, talking Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, we're about to talk about that. But first I want to get into uh, your book. Your book, uh, you're debuting a book called Plantation Education, The Exploitation of the Modern Day Athlete Student. In the days of Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James, uh, a lot of folks uh, are becoming more aware of just the student athlete, I, I actually credit it to, you know, he got game kind of being the, the the, the precursor to, you know, what the athlete has to go to. In your mind, what sparked you to, to write this book and what, what
1: will people get from reading it? Oh, man, it, it goes back before he got game, brother. You got to go back to higher learning and the program and blue chips. This is where it all started. This is where I got my um, real understanding of how it really happens. Um, Not even so watching the movies back then, but going back and watching the movies and really seeing how they put it in our face how everything happens, how the athlete is always taken advantage of, doesn't get anything, gets in trouble if he takes any money, basically just working for free. So the book really highlights all of that. It highlights the whole plantation mentality that all of the black athletes have. You know, you still have athletes that are 40 years old um, calling their coach, coach, you know, they still don't even know his his real name is coach, coach Johnson, coach, coach Robinson, whatever it is, it's, it's a mentality. So, you know, to get out of that, you know, to read the book, to understand the foundation of those steps, that's what it's really about.
0: Where do you, you said you, you cited movies um, in your life. Where did you get the, maybe the aha moment that this is a book that I need to write and people need to know more about your life?
1: Concussion. Concussion, Will Smith movie. Um, how, you know, that guy really stepped out, you know, against the grain, knowing, you know, the consequences of of what he was going to do, but knowing the reality of saving lives and changing and creating a whole different dynamic of, of how, You know, medical protocol is is approached. So I feel like I was I was I would be doing a disservice after watching that movie, knowing what I know and being able to help as many kids as I can understand that they can, you know, get better value in themselves. Just by understanding the information, I had to write the book and it was just kind of an, an epiphany for me.
0: LeBron James became the first ever high school student turned professional basketball athlete uh, who's made millions of dollars uh, to ever speak out against the NCAA's role and the lack of uh, support for college athletes. Uh, Yet, they oftentimes generate billions of dollars for universities. Uh, And of course, unless you've been sleeping under a rock or a target to the party, James recently announced an upcoming documentary called Student Athlete Detailing, the exploitation of the student athlete. Uh, do you subscribe to LeBron's theory? Expound on that more, if you do.
1: Um, I love LeBron's uh, enthusiasm in our topic um, and, and his approach as a basketball player to so step in where you know he feels that he could be an influence. But the reason why nothing is changing is because the athletes who actually are were college athletes who went to college experienced it, knows exactly what's going on. They are not the ones stepping forward. We can't take the topic seriously if LeBron is the forefront man and he never went to college. <laughs> he has he has no idea. Right? So so it's hard for me to take it serious. Like where are you getting the information? Like this comes from true testimony. My book comes true testimony to everything that, that went went on with me at the top university, one of the all-time top universities with, with a Hall of Fame coach. Scoop B Radio. The biggest fraud in college sports history for over 20 years. Been swept under the rug, covered up completely. My story is definitely a, a big story, but this book it highlights something deeper that college athletes have to step forward and be the testimony. We can't, we can't allow someone that that, that that has never walked in into that, that light and been where we've been to tell that story. We have to tell that story, all of us.
0: Do you think that in the wake of the NCAA investigation that swept last year,
1: now would be the time for more college athletes to speak up? I think so. I mean, seeing that they basically just monetize the market by opening it up to, to agents, being able to talk to these high school students now, that basically tells us that they don't care about the education. And that's what my book is about, the education, the lack of education. So no matter what, they're just going to throw money at us and buy us and just you know sit back and wait for us to blow our money, spend it all and come back to the hood and then go to jail. That's the cycle because we don't have any leadership, one. We don't have any real education on how to be owners, and we're just always setting the mentality to work.
0: If you're just tuning in, uh, Rashad McCants is on the line with Scoopy Radio. We're talking about his new book. We're talking about the politics of college basketball, the NBA, and more. Uh, Just for uh, posterity's sake uh, or just for reference for people listening, uh, back in August, the NCAA announced big changes coming to college basketball. And in a nutshell, according to Bleach's report, undrafted draft players can return to school and elite high school recruits can now hire an NCAA-certified agent. Uh, with the report swirling that the NBA will allow high school graduates to enter the NBA in the coming years and LeVar Ball starting his own basketball league with amateurs, it was only a matter of time before uh, new NCAA regulations were sanctioned. You have been in support of LeVar, Levar Ball and, and Lonzo Ball's sneaker line. When you look at his basketball league that he had the JBL this season, what are your thoughts?
1: Man, I fully support it. Varball is a genius. He's continuing to take advantage of opportunities to, to influence the young, the young kids and the young athletes. Creating that league basically gives the middleman competition, and that's the NBLA. Huh. So it's the NCAA is the competition and the only thing the NCAA is not doing that would keep those players in college is paying them. So LeVar Ball says, come up here. We'll pay you. You can play in our league and showcase your talents until it's time to get to the NBA. So they're not teaching you anything anyway. Right. Right. And you're just making them money. You're just making them money. Your coach shows up to the gym every day to practice in a brand-new BMW and a brand-new $2,000 suit. He lives on a golf course. Him and his family has two houses. You go over there for a fish fry, and you're wondering, dang, I can't even eat at night, but my coach is living lovely because we practice on time. If you ruled the world for a day, how would you
0: change the NCAA rule uh, and for players who go to the NBA? What would you do to make things a little bit more sweeter for Players who have talent or players who are just trying to make it make it happen.
1: I would completely do away with the NCAA. It wouldn't exist, and every university would have sports education as um, a major option. So, sports education would be um, the same as business school, law school, um, doctors. It, being a doctor or a lawyer, anything like that, is the same as being an athlete. So, we would just add, we would just add that to the universities where, you know, kids can literally go to school for sports, for sports, and not have to, you know, do all these other classes and this academic requirement, and then, you know, we allow those kids to get paid. If everyone's getting paid, everyone's getting paid.
0: I hey, had Lenny Cook on Scoopy Radio. Uh, you know, Lenny was competing in high school with LeBron Carmelo, Jared Jack, Amari Stoudemire, I asked him if you know this. Obviously the NBA's current collective bargaining agreement states that you must be nineteen years old or one year removed from your high school graduating class. And Lenny told me he disagreed. Do you think that the NBA should amend that rule? Scoop B
1: radio. Um <clears throat> I don't think they I think if they do amend that rule they should have some type of program in place. They have something already with the NBA called the rookie trans the rookie transition program. Mm-hmm. And that allows these rookies to get information on transitioning into the NBA, but it's only for three days. So I would say if they do expense that rule, they should have a um, a year course alongside with the, those kids coming in their rookie year to understand transition and budgeting and spending money and contract and all of those things. If the NBA can do that, I think it, it should be allowed for sure.
0: Scoopy Radio Online talking to Rashad McKenzie. Brother, the Minnesota Timberwolves, a team you you know very well. Uh, You played with them from 2005 to 2009. What do you think of the team this season? What do you think of all the news that's going on about Jimmy Butler?
1: I've never been a fan of the Minnesota Timberwolves since they kind of, you know, did me dirty. Man, uh, it's kind of a graveyard over there. Everything that goes over there, withers and dies. So it was only time for them to break up that team. The karma is real over there um the fact that you know someone would say something like that publicly about jimmy or about anybody um just shows the lack of communication with the team there's no real leadership and um you know it's just gonna it's just, it's, just, it's just gonna get bad you know especially with my guy steven jackson getting involved and even being a bully and everything it's just nasty
0: why do you think people are just now finding out about everything that's going on now? Is it just that people honor the locker room code? Is it that it was going on and people ignored it? What does your experience tell you?
1: Well, I mean, there's this on the phone snitching and telling and all this bull, and then guys end up keeping it a secret up until the other guy's about to leave, and, and he'll tell the world why, you know, no one liked him. You know, it's just, it's, it's like, it's real. It's real weak. Just because the, the dynamic of the NBA has changed when it comes to the culture, um, mm-hmm. so you know the the, the behavior is different. But you know that's a part of the evolution of the NBA. It's going to be a change. So this is how they're conducting themselves now. So you know we can't complain about it. This is what we got to deal with. So,
0: Rashad McCants, the 14th overall pick in the 2005. 2005- NBA draft out of North Carolina uh NCAA champion in 2005 bro what was that experience like playing uh for North Carolina uh in 2005 and winning a national championship
1: um man it was uh it was light work man to be honest man we had prepared for that first since the beginning since we refreshment that was our goal to win the championship in the first two years it was just kind of like trial runs for us to figure out who we were really dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, But that last year was, was pretty much just a piece of cake all the way down to the last game. Well, we pretty much were dominating the whole country at that point. And I was the best player in the country at the, at the two guard position. So we pretty much had everything sold up from point guard, to shooting guard, to center position uh, for three years that we played in, in college.
0: Marvin Williams, a guy, you know, well, uh, he he seems like just an old soul. I didn't realize he was only thirty two because he seems so wise for his age.
1: Yeah, Marvin man, he's a cool dude. West Coast Seattle guy. Uh he's always been mellow down to earth, always a cool customer, man, always cool under pressure. Um, great morals. You know what I'm saying? He's always been a good dude.
0: When I look when I was playing 2K the other day, I was playing um with the Hornets, and I was like, dang. Marvin Williams is still on this team. Why does, how, what is it about him that just makes him stick?
1: <laughs> man, uh, he can play multiple positions. He can guard multiple positions. Um, and uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a solid role player, man, when it comes down to it. He can defend. He can shoot. He can go off the dribble. Um, he can run the floor. And he's a good locker room dude. He's not a trouble guy. So um, he'll stick around for a few more years if he can, for sure, I'm sure.
0: I spoke to Kevin Garnett. And Kevin Garnett said to me um, that he sees similarities in his game to Carl Anthony Towns' game. When you look at Marvin Williams, uh, I mean, I don't think people say, hey, when I grow up, I want to be a Marvin Williams because people look at stars, and there's no disrespect to Marvin. I think he's a solid player. When you mm-hmm. look at players that who will stick around for a long time in the NBA, who do you think of that will be the next Marvin Williams?
1: Um... Right now, younger guys. Yeah. Um. There's a couple guys. Um, John Henson could be a Marvin Williams type of guy in Milwaukee. He can stick around just because he's 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 a big, tall, long, athletic, big, um, man. It's so many. It's so many guys. Um, I would say a guy like um, Marcus Smart. Hmm. Marcus Smart is like a Marvin Williams. Any team he's on, he's hard-nosed dude. He's gonna always be able to stick around, guard all three positions. And he's a good teammate. I mean, he's, a, he's the he's type of guy that 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 just like Marvin, just you got to have on your team.
0: If you could go back in time and play that 2005 national championship game against the now, y'all won 75 to 70. If you could go back and fix any mistakes that you made in that game, what would they be, and
1: why? Oh uh, man, the first thing I would have did is I wouldn't have answered the phone when Jay called me. Telling me that him and Beyonce were going to the game <clears throat> and I would have never told my teammates because uh the coach kinda uh fucked me over in that game and uh, it was because they were they came to the game to see me play and um it was you know, it was kinda bad to, to hear all that, but um I would I would have changed my approach to that differently. You know, I have fourteen points in the first quarter or the first half and um we knew we were gonna beat them. You know, it wasn't even about them majority of the game. Sean knew he was going to have a good game. It was his birthday. Um, I knew I was going to have a good game because of who was going to be there. But Coach had this different, you know, he had this different thing with him. So uh, I would probably change not even inviting them or, or, or having them come to the game because it, it kind of changed my dynamic of my future. It changed my future looking, to, looking back at it. Rashad,
0: I like how you just casually put in there, Oh yeah, Jay called me, and and he said me and Beyonce was gonna come to the game. I, I I think that's humble. It was kind of a humble brag, but I I'm not gonna let you just say that and then me not ask you a, a, a follow up question. Jay called you. Um, how did you guys? It wasn't meet? Jay. It wasn't Jay. It was it
1: was it was it, 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 it was his assistant.
0: Okay, Carlene.
1: Carlene called me.
0: Okay. What? Um you said that the, the mood changed and you told the guys on the team. I mean, how did you guys change? Did you feel like you were showing off? You had to play. The guys were showing off because Jay was there. How did the mood change?
1: Nah, it was a it was a shocking situation. It was more of a, man, y'all not going to believe this. Just got off the phone with Jay's assistant. She wanted me to get Jay tickets to the game. And I'm like, I ain't got front row seats. How am I going to get him seats? Where he going to sit? With the family and the family next? <laughs> so... I'm like, uh, I'm going to see what I can do. And then, uh, we had a conversation, and she was like, you know, we, we handle it. We'll see you at the game. And that was it. And, and from there, there was just a lot of tension in the air that I felt after, you know, kind of surprisingly and excitingly sharing that news. Did you get a chance to talk to Jay after the game? No, no. Man, everything was moving too fast. You know, we won the game, so it was a lot of time that went by and, you know, um, there was a time when I did hit the I hit the shot before halftime, and I threw up the rock. <laughs> and I actually threw it at Beyonce. Beyonce stood up and she threw it back at me. That was one of my one of my one of my proudest moments, one of my best moments, seeing that 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 actually happened. I thought she had a touch on me. <laughs>
0: yeah. I'll tell you something, man. I think it's, it was it's so interesting Shadow. People always say. Jay was always a Tar Heels fan because he was in the the Best of Me video with Maya uh, and and wore the Tar Heels jersey. You said you liked Duke, but you saw Jay wear that in the video. Was that cool to you?
1: Yeah, it was cool, man. Just the fact that Jay just, you know, could call me casually through uh, my guy, Uncle Wes. So just the fact that, you know, that relationship was there and, and, you know, he actually showed up to one of the games. He's just a sports fan, though. He loves sports, so it it wasn't really about Fair it was more so just we was the hottest team. And I was the hottest dude out there, so he he supported me. Scoopy Radio on
0: the line with Rashad McCants talking basketball. Sir, from twenty five to two thousand five, excuse me, to two thousand nine, you played for the Timberwolves, you spent a year in Sacramento, and then you kinda of bounced around a little bit. Um, do you think that your game was ahead of your time? or do you think that people kind of just gave you a hard time and, and maybe uh, didn't see where you fit with the team? What do you think the dilemma was?
1: Uh, I think it was <clears throat> a little bit of both. Uh, during the time that I played in the league, man, it was <clears throat> the league was transitioning, trying to find how they wanted uh, the future to kind of dictate with the style of play. So they are experimenting with a lot of different things in the years that I played with zone defense, different basketballs. Uh <clears throat> different um, strategies and and all of that. So um, it was very hard to guard certain guys, you know, during the years that I played and, and I was never set up to be a star. So when I did average 15 a game um, coach, Randy Whitman would allow me to come off the bench and kind of do my thing and show my game. So I would say if I was able to play now in the league, my game then was like James Harden's game when he was coming off the bench for the thunder. We were very Mm -hmm. similar players. Two-way players who can, you know, handle the ball, shoot the three, can jump and dunk. But I had more post games, so I could handle the post, play in the mid-range, you know, also do the same things that he can do. So right now, for him to be the star, I feel good about my game and how it would evolve. And, and, and seeing out who the star players are in the league now, and the way we played back in, from 2005 to 2010, it would be different
0: the big three uh you guys finished year two and uh year three is only going to get bigger and better if you don't know um i was the reporter who was on the conference call with jeff when jeff said that kobe was playing next year really that was me I, how did that go uh let's just say twitter was not my friend <laughs>
1: <laughs> really
0: yeah, Jeff said it. Basically, on the conference call, somebody asked him, you know, what former players could play. Um, and somehow Kobe was brought up, and he said, you know, a source told him that uh, Kobe uh, is playing next season. And uh, the Internet roasted me, but Jeff said it. And then TM- TMZ caught up with him, and he said it again. And then so you guys were in New York for uh, media week, and then, you know, Ice Cube. You said about Kobe it. said it? So no, he said – so Jeff said that a source told him that Kobe was coming to play in the Big Three next year. And he said anyway, that's to GMT. Well, he, he confirmed it after he said it on the conference call. So there's a weekly right. conference call that the Big Three has, and Jeff said it. And then I tweeted it, and then the internet went crazy, and then that was the same week that you guys were playing at the Barclays Center for the championship.
1: So PMZ right. caught him in the well, street. Stephon Mulberry, Stephon Mulberry also just said he's gonna play in the big three as well.
0: What do you think of that? Do you do you think certain players shouldn't play? What 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 is a prerequisite for a former player playing in your mind?
1: Everybody everybody should play. Everybody should play. If you can still play, which if you have any competitiveness in your body at all, you was a professional athlete. If you can still play, you should have never let yourself go one. Two, you should still be able to play. Three, you should come play in the big three because it's a good chance to get back with the brothers and get and get reacquainted to the feeling. And I think that everybody misses that feeling at some point. You know what, what? Regardless of what businesses you're into, to be able to be around all the guys again every week for ten weeks, city to city, you know, being able to go back into these arenas and play and have fun—that's I tell everybody to come out for real.
0: Could you see Kobe playing in the big
1: three? Absolutely. But Kobe, I'm going to roast Kobe. He come out there. <laughs> I'm at his dome immediately. All the last two years I've been playing around, they, they done pissed me off. Now I ain't getting no awards or nothing. I'm going at everybody next year. So I gave the dead meat list. I challenged everybody. Nobody said anything. Nobody, nobody clapped back. So I'm just going to go at everybody next year. I'm not going to say nothing. Everybody's dead meat now.
0: When I look at just um, the big three and I look at, you know, the potential it has, obviously you have 3 and 3 basketball. Uh, that'll be in the Olympics in 2020. Do you think in order for somebody like Kobe to play, the money has to be right? Or do you think there has to be an ownership part in it? And, and what, what what's stopping people like him from playing?
1: I think the money definitely has to be right. I think that's definitely an incentive that Kobe can push, make sure that, you know, players do have value. And I think once that happens, um, we move into a, a different um, evolution of basketball with three on three and Olympic play. All of that becomes um, a real reality for all players who even touch the NBA circuit. They all want to are going to want to circle back and play in the big three before they even go to the NBA.
0: Done will work, Rashawn McClan, McCann Excuse me, talking his debut book, Plantation Education: Exploitation of Modern Day Athlete Student. Talking Kaepernick, well, actually, in, in 30 seconds or less, uh, Colin Kaepernick's Nike ad had a powerful yet simple message, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Your thoughts when you first heard about Colin Kaepernick and his his campaign with Nike?
1: A total misdirection, the greatest magic trick ever, to get a whole bunch of bad people to support Nike hmm. still forget about it, and still forget about the real movement, the real movement about police brutality. We are not even talking about that at all anymore. We're talking about Nike. We're talking about the NFL. We're not talking about police brutality. That's heavy. Where can
0: people find your book?
1: Amazon.com, Plantation Education. It'll be to you in two days or less. You can download it on Kindle. Follow me on IG, Rashad McCants. We got some gems for you. Enough said.
0: Rashad McGann's talking all things basketball. Good brother. Good to talk to you again.
1: Thank you again, brother.
0: My man. Scoop B Radio. Hold up.